Welcome to Serve Sustained, the podcast that explores the problems in our food system and the entrepreneurs working to solve them. I'm Liv. And I'm Olivia. The English one. Yes, we have the same name, but hopefully Liv and Olivia and our different accents are distinction enough. Together, we hope to show you that through innovation and determination, we can eat better for ourselves and the planet. Blend chickpeas, tahini, olive oil, lemon juice, and garlic together, and you are left with a delicious and increasingly popular dip called hummus. The exact origins of hummus are hotly debated, but it came from somewhere in the Middle East. Regardless, this tasty dip is popular across the world, with each country and company putting their own twist on it. As people search for healthier foods and snacks, hummus comes to mind as it's packed with protein, fiber, B vitamins, and other minerals, it is perfect for that mid-afternoon snack to get you between lunch and dinner, or any time to be honest. According to Market Watch, the global hummus market is currently valued at $812 million, and it's expected to reach over a billion dollars by the end of 2026. Now when you see hummus in the cold keys section at the grocery store, it is common to assume that it's fresh. However, this often isn't the case, and many brands use preservatives to extend the shelf life of the hummus except for one brand, Ithaca Hummus, founded by this week's guest, Chris Kirby. Ithaca Hummus tastes like it comes straight from the blender and onto your plate. No preservatives, just clean, fresh ingredients. And not only is Chris committed to using ingredients that promote the health and well-being of his customers, he is also devoted to supporting small businesses and the communities around him. And with that introduction, let's kickstart the interview. Hey, how are you? Hi. Doing well. How are you? Good. Olivia and Olivia. Yes. Yes. One with a British accent and one without. So we can <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you guys. So to start, why don't you tell us a bit about where you grew up and why you entered the restaurant business? I grew up in Maryland. Maryland is one of those states where you kind of have a couple hours to the beach, a couple hours to the mountain and all that good stuff. And so in the summer, uh, I would go down to the beach and, you know, work uh, in restaurants. And so I was, I was exposed pretty early on to the restaurant world and I was in high school and uh, it came time to decide what I wanted to do for college and, and culinary, culinary school seemed like a good fit. That's awesome. So at what point did you decide to jump from culinary school to the Cornell School of Hotel Management. I graduated culinary school and I was about 20 years old and worked as a chef for six and a half years and then uh, loved it. I mean, worked in so many great restaurants, fresh ingredients from all over the world and was exposed to a lot of really great, you know, amazing food and ingredients, but um, just wanted to get away from the lifestyle and so I moved back home, uh, moved in with my parents at 26 and went to community college for a year so I could get some decent grades for the first time in my life. And, uh, <laughs> and then I, I was able to get into the hotel school, which I, I mean, I was looking for more of a business education, but the hotel school at Cornell is hospitality focused. So it was kind of in my language so I could learn and understand and and apply what I was learning in, in real time because I started the company while I was a student at Cornell as well. 
That's amazing. So what type of restaurants were you working in? I mean, I, I am a foodie myself, but I've heard being a chef is perhaps the hardest job. <laughs> yeah, maybe right behind um, server <laughs> sometimes. But uh, yeah, I was in uh, French restaurants, European, you know, classic European, traditional um, European food modern flair on that usually in a lot of restaurants. So um, Marcel's in Washington, D.C., which is um, French-Belgian restaurant, tasting menu, the whole nine yards, was where I went directly after after culinary school. And then I moved out to Las Vegas and I worked at the sister property to the Wynn, the Encore, when they opened in their first year. And then I moved to Austin, Texas and uh, worked at a handful of great places, but I was the chef at a wine bar called Mulberry for a couple of years. So why did you decide to specialize in hummus? One of the great things about working in kitchens is you get to work with people from all over the world, especially in like high-end, super fine dining kitchens. Like there's people from everywhere. And when I was at Marcel's in DC, um, I learned how to make hummus from a Lebanese guy who, who I worked with and uh, just, you know, was absolutely blown away because I had this just idea of what hummus was in, in my mind and it wasn't very good. And uh, so he made it for the first time and, you know, I just really fell in love with it and um, such a great food. I, I love all types of food, but um, I learned about hummus when I was uh, working in restaurants and learned how to make really great Lebanese style hummus. And then um, when I came to the hotel school at Cornell, I went to the farmer's market in Ithaca, which is huge, tons and tons of people. It's a big deal. Um, upstate New York is very agricultural. But when I got to the farmer's market, I was shocked that there was no local hummus person. And so about a month later, um, that, that, that became me. <laughs> and I started the business. Can you just explain the different types of hummuses? Because I've had some bad hummuses before. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why that might have been. Um, different cultures, and I don't want to speak out of turn here because people get very passionate about this, <laughs> but I generally find that Israeli-style hummus has a lot more tahini in it and a lot less lemon and garlic. And a lot of times the garlic is actually roasted. Um, in Lebanese-style hummus is much more lemony, it's got a very fresh lemon forward flavor and they use less tahini. So it's got a lighter texture and it's a little bit fluffier. And um, so that's what I really loved about the Lebanese style. And as a chef, like I want all my ingredients to be as fresh as possible. And I saw that as a great unique differentiator for my product at the farmer's market was, you know, Hey, we're small. We have a short shelf life. We can use fresh cut and squeezed lemon juice for this product. And um, yeah, and that's what we did. And that's what we still do today. So it's, it's pretty cool. That is so cool. How did you transform this idea of fresh hummus into a business? You know, starting at a farmer's market is pretty easy because you really, there's a couple things that you have to have and none of them are overly complicated to get like a, like a commercial food license and stuff like that. So it took me, um, honestly, the hardest part was getting into the farmer's market. A lot of farmer's markets have waiting lists to be a vendor and 
So I went through that process and uh, that took about a month, but everything else I was able to do during that same time period. I just made it during the week, showed up for my first weekend on a Saturday at the, at the market and um, started selling the product and, and letting people try it. That was it. And I think I heard that you first started producing the product in a summer camp kitchen. How did you scale up to using the facilities you use today? So yeah, that like I mentioned, you need a food safe kitchen that's inspected by the state. And um, I wanted to find something that was out there ready to go. And I was lucky to stumble on this uh, summer camp kitchen in Ithaca and um, started there. There's just a little six burner stove and a very, very small um, refrigerator that I could cool the beans down and do the things I needed to do. Rented that kitchen about six months into the business. Wegmans uh, I came to the farmer's market and discovered our product. And that was how we got into our first major retailer. You know, once we really started growing, I, I outgrew that original um, summer camp kitchen and found a factory about 30 minutes outside of Ithaca that was underutilized. I leased about half of it. So it was about a 20,000 square foot building. I leased 10,000 square feet of that and built out a hummus production line. So from start to finish, I mean, I was in way over my head, <laughs> um, bought a high pressure steam boiler and the kettles to cook the beans. And eventually we got filling equipment and little inkjet um, printers that put the code on the side of the cup as it came down the line. And I mean, I was a chef before this, so I had no idea how to run like an automated facility like that. And it caused a lot of late nights and issues. And, you know, people don't realize when I started, I, I was putting all the hummus into the cups with an ice cream scoop and just putting a lid on it. Pretty, pretty straightforward. When you start buying automated equipment that puts a sealed plastic, you know, film onto the top of your cup. If you, if your sealer stops working, you can't just go back to the old ice cream scooper method. Like you can't sell anything until you fix your equipment. So I spent about two years running my own facility and then um, partnered with a manufacturing company in upstate New York called Ledestri Foods. And, um, they were our co-packer uh, exclusively for a year and then um, ended up becoming a financial partner in the business. So now they're our, our partner and our, and our co-packer. Was it hard to maintain quality as you scaled up, particularly like being a chef? And I'm sure you cared so much about the ingredients going in. Maintaining quality is always, I mean, it's food. You know, food safety is always, always, always number one. Um, so above and beyond anything, that's that's always at top of mind for us. And then just quality of the product, quality of the ingredients. Um, when you do what we do, which is to bring completely fresh ingredients um, into a facility and transform those into what ideally should be a uniform product um, across the board that you distribute, it presents a challenge because lemons come from different parts of the world and they have every lemon's a little bit different, a little different sugar, different acidity levels. And so it was definitely, it's, 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 it, it was a big challenge in the beginning, figuring out how to keep everything consistent and high quality. Um, Ledestri has helped a lot. They are 
you know, they've been around for a long time and they know the drill, they know how to, how to commercialize a consistent product. And so that's really helped, um, quite a bit since, uh, since we've partnered with them. And it can be rare to form such a good relationship with your co-packer. Was this just luck or did you purposely look for someone with the potential to become a business partner? I, uh, I, I think it was definitely strategic, um, forming that partnership with Ladestri. It's what I wanted. And there was a long time in the beginning where I just really was in pure survival bootstrap mode for probably longer than I should have been. But I didn't, I never wanted to take outside investment from a non-strategic partner. Um, anyone can write you a check, you know, and, and you can, I don't want to sit make it sound easy, but you can build a business and go out there and find investors who are happy to write you a check. And then, tell you that you have to sell your company in five years. And that that's just not what I wanted. I mean, I love the business too much to be on someone else's timeline. And I love what I do and, and the impact that we're having as a company and as a brand. And so I wanted to find a partner who would empower me to continue doing that. Um, and, and luckily, I, and luckily, Ledestri was the right one. And speaking of the impact your company is having, in not just only changing the hummus market, but you're also committed to impacting the communities and small businesses around you with your No Kid Hungry campaign and the virtual restaurant tour. I am definitely a strong believer in business being used for good in the world. And when we finally got out of just this pure white knuckle, like survival, doing whatever we have to do to stay in business, I started to feel like, wow, you know, like this, this is, this is going to really grow to be a big business and, and uh, we can use that to, to, to have a positive impact. And so the way that that manifests itself really depends on where the need is for me. I think there are certain things we create as a company with our products, plastic packaging, probably being the biggest one that I think is um, really important for us to keep focus on how we can continue over time to reduce, you know, how much plastic we put out into the world and what kind of plastic that is and how we educate people on what to do with it. And so that's, I think, just like an overarching, um, what we can do as a company that, that feels natural. But then beyond that, you know, with COVID and my connection to the restaurant industry, I started the restaurant revival tour on, on Instagram and so I go live with a different chef um, as often as possible every week, just about. And we create a recipe that people can cook at home and donate to a new cause every week, depending on what the chef wants to do. And um, No Kid Hungry, I was all geared up this year to go on the chef's cycle uh, for No Kid Hungry, which is a um, 300 mile bike race over three days that they do every year. And so I was raising money for that but then COVID kind of postponed it till next year that's how I got involved with No Kid Hungry and so we've been trying to figure out ways to support them ever since we, we first started working with them and then you know recently the Ithaca Farmers Market where where I started um, because of COVID has fallen on some hard times just not being able to be open and co collect um, rent from all the vendors and so they had a fundraiser going that we contributed to and partnered with Ithaca uh, Wegmans in the United Way of Tompkins County and did some stuff. So, you know, we're really just looking for what makes sense um, for us as a brand to get involved in and, and um, doing as much as we can. 
I mean, you've taken such a positive outlook during COVID and it's really impressive how you've been able to give back to the community. Uh, has COVID taken a hit on your own brand? Have you had to reassess your strategy or have you been lucky enough where, you know, people are cooking at home and your products are available in these pretty large retailers? It's, it's easy to be positive when, I mean, you have, I have so many friends who are in the restaurant business and uh, I, how could I not have a sense of just gratefulness um, for changing my, the industry that I'm in? And, you know, yeah, we, we have been fortunate and benefited from the increase in uh, consumption at grocery stores because of COVID. For us, it's really just a matter of how do we, how do we capture the opportunity that, that's out there now? faster than our competitors and and um and respond to the ever-evolving times that we're in right now it's great to hear that covid hasn't affected your business like it has affected so many others so now i'd love to go back into the product and ask you to explain the special cold process you use that helps you achieve the freshness that your customers love we use a process called high pressure processing um and it is a it could be loosely defined as a form of pasteurization because the result is the same thing. We do it to achieve a certain level of food safety and we do it to achieve a certain level of shelf life. And all food products go through some kind of food safety step like this. And for me, um, with our product being so fresh, being made from fresh lemon juice and fresh garlic, if I wanted to keep the same quality that I had when I started at the farmer's market, I had to find a cold safety step. That is what HPP is. A lot of hummus that you buy, that you find in the grocery store is heat pasteurized, meaning they heat it to a certain temperature to kill the bacteria and then put it into the cup. And also processed while the chickpeas are still hot. And we had to change both of those things. So that partnership with Ladestri was incredibly important because it, it enabled me to completely reimagine the way that hummus is processed at a commercial level in, in the United States. And so HPP um, is a process that happens once the, once the hummus is already in the cup and, and sealed. Um, it goes into a huge water chamber and then that water is pressurized at 87,000 PSI, which is about seven times the pressure that you would feel if you were at the bottom of the ocean. So it's an extreme amount of pressure. And what that does on a molecular level is it actually causes all of the pathogens or bacteria in the product itself to burst into these little pieces that can't find each other again to, to continue um, multiplying as they would had they not gone through the process. And that completely eliminates the risk of things like listeria or botulism and the other food safety concerns that, that you have in, in fresh food products. The HPP process though is what enables us to use the ingredients that we use. And that's really what's special about our product. There are other hummus and salsa companies and guacamole companies that use HPP. I like to think that what we do with it is special because that's why we can use cold pressed lemon juice still. That's why we can use garlic still because we're not heating those things up 
downstream in the process. That's awesome. So now you have seven flavors. My favorite is the smoked chipotle personally, but I was just wondering what's your favorite flavor and what is the best seller? Is it still the original? It's hard to pick a favorite for me. I, I love the Kalamata olive though. It's, it's our newest flavor. It's so good. If you love olives, you, you've got to try it. And our, our best seller is, uh, it goes back and forth actually between lemon garlic and lemon dill, which were our first two flavors. So yeah, it's funny. I think people form a sense of loyalty to those first few flavors they try. Although I have to agree with Liv, I think my favorite flavor is the smoked chipotle. So what is next for Ithaca Hummus and where do you see the brand going? We compete in a pretty fairly large category. Hummus is, uh, is big. It's predominantly owned by Sabra, who's owned by, by PepsiCo. And so we're kind of like the, the David versus, versus Goliath um, scene going on right now. And, you know, if you're a David, you, you, better, be, you better be very, very focused on what you're doing um, because the Goliath can crush you at any second. So, you know, I've said this for a long time and I'm, I guess I'm not surprised I'm still saying it, but like we are all we are a hummus brand and we're all in on on hummus and continuing to disrupt that category. We believe our product is, you know, head and shoulders above uh, everything else that's out there. And our job and our goal is to continue to drive awareness um, on the products that we have and and grow distribution. Do you all have a primary audience in mind that you're trying to reach with Ithaca Hummus, or is this really a product that's meant to be for everyone, every age? Like, who do you have in mind eating this when you're making it? Yeah, good question. I feel like it's, it's totally a product that, that makes sense for a lot of different age groups, demographics. Um, but from what we know um, about the category and consumption, it's it's very heavily um, skewed towards moms, younger moms, new families with kids at home. I know, I mean, I have, a, I have a 18 month old and, and another, another baby on the way right now and having great food in the refrigerator that you can just pull out and give to your kids is a, is a huge time saver. And um, you know, Ithaca Hummus is a is big part of my son's diet. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's. I think it's really those those new moms and new families out there that are looking for healthy food, scratch made food that they can give to their families. Um, I would say that's that's really our target market. Yes, and that target market is probably willing to pay a little more for better quality food. But this hummus is slightly more expensive than other brands on the market. One ten ounce tub is about four dollars fifty versus Sabra at about three dollars forty. Do you ever see these costs coming down? I say it all the time. Our, our, our product is not the most efficiently manufactured product out there. It's not the cheapest. It's not the easiest to make. And, uh, you know, we charge enough for it so that we can stay in business and keep doing what we love doing. Oh, that's so interesting. I know a lot of people... I think struggle to of the concept of paying more for good food now at the cost of sacrificing their health down the road and paying for it much more. So just to wrap up, we wanted to know if you could give entrepreneurs one piece of advice, what would it be? Because it's one thing to start your own business. That's already hard enough. 
it is especially hard when it comes to CPGs and food, like such a saturated area. Yeah, that, that, that would be different pretty much any day of the week that yeah. you ask me. But um, I, like, uh, I like to tell new entrepreneurs starting out to not, you know, don't be afraid to just get started. You know, sometimes you can analyze something to death and you can let great stand in the way of good. And um, it's, it's, it's always important to have standards and want to do things, you know, the right way in a certain way. But at some point you just have to get going. And, um, you know, that's, that's probably my, the most common piece of advice that I would give to new entrepreneurs is just start before you think you're ready. Chris, thank you for joining us today. We have loved hearing the story of Ithaca Hummus. Listeners, if you'd like to try Ithaca Hummus for yourself, please head to their website and use their retail finder to find a store near you. Until next time, happy eating.